0: At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit FreedomHealthWorks.com.
1: Welcome to Healthcare Americana coming to you from the Freedom Doc Studios. I am your host, Christopher Haven, the CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. This is a podcast for the 99% of people who get care in America. We talk to innovative clinicians, policymakers, patients, caregivers, executives, and advocates who are fed up with the status quo and have a desire to change it. We take you behind the scenes with people across America that are putting patients first and restoring trust in American healthcare. Today, this episode is talking to one of the I guess I'm gonna say one of one of my friends, idols, but well, one of those one of the people who really kicked off a lot of this free market medical movement. And of course, you probably guessed it, but that is Dr. Keith Smith, managing partner, anesthesiologist at the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. Dr. Smith, pleasure to have you on once again. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Now, we've had some spirited conversations in the past where we're like, you know what, should we actually send that out there? But it's all in good fun. will always well received because I love the fact that, You are an opinionated man and you are not afraid of sharing those opinions in an industry with people that just toe the company line and put their head down and walk back into the hospital and say, you know what? I only have a couple more years. I only have to hit this number and then I can leave it all behind. I want to start off by talking, you know, kind of going back. What was your motivation with the Surgery Center of Oklahoma? where you looked at what you were doing before at a hospital setting in the OR and saying, this is not sustainable for my patients. This isn't sustainable for my business. This isn't sustainable for my family, for me. Walk us through that decision-making process all those years ago and what really motivated you to, we hear people say, take that leap of faith, take that step forward kind of into the unknown and leave that comfort of the hospital system behind and move forward.
2: Yeah, well, when I uh, started in 1990, all was all was hunky-dory, all was well, all was what I thought it was supposed to be when I contemplated what private practice should be like while I was a resident in training. Um, and it all changed. Uh, it began to change in 1992. Uh, the government became very heavy-handed, more heavy-handed than they'd been up to that point, inflicting price controls um, that were draconian on physicians, hospital-based physicians in particular. So I saw what I was actually paid by Medicare for procedures that I was performing um, the anesthesia for plummet. Just to give you an idea, I was paid $78 for the last Medicare total need for which I gave an anesthetic. And fortunately, I'd read enough economics up to that point to realize this was not personal. Prices are just signals in the marketplace, and Medicare was sending me a signal, the federal government was, and I realized I needed to respond with a rational signal of my own. Too many physicians will accept that signal, process it, and then send back a signal that is not rational. But price controls cause shortages, so I thought I needed to be in short supply. So I I quit. Um, and I didn't quit taking care of Medicare patients. I just quit filing claims. Um, at that point, I'd come to the conclusion the government didn't have any money. It did not first steal. And for me to accept that meant I was the recipient of stolen property. So that's that's where I was philosophically. And so I, I wasn't terribly uh, disturbed by it. I just thought I need to act rationally. At the same time, the hospitals who were poor mouthing um, this new propaganda, we're going broke narrative, we noticed were getting bigger and bigger. And there were more and more administrators, and there were more and more wings under construction. And there was a crane in front of every emergency room. And they were buying out their competitors and buying physician practices and sponsoring uh, professional sports franchises. Uh, If you went to a NCAA Division One football game in Oklahoma, half of the sponsors all around the stadium were hospitals or carriers, you know, Blue Cross. you know they were all they were everywhere. so they're all going broke when actually it was the physicians that were having their pay cut. And then it turns out we found out patients for whom we were providing care were being financially uh, assassinated by these same hospitals who supposedly were going broke. So when I realized that I was really an accessory to a crime, um, it was time to do something else. I'm a physician because I was attracted early on when I was very young to the concept of mutually beneficial exchange. Uh, I think the golden rule is something we should all adhere to. And if we don't, it's uh, because we failed and we need to re-examine what we're doing. And I, and I was not part of an exchange that could be considered mutually beneficial. So the only way as an anesthesiologist I could do anything about it was to, was to leave. Uh, it was to secede, really professionally secede. So Steve Lantier is very like-minded and as an anesthesiologist he felt exactly the same. And so the two of us walked out of our private practices in 1997 with the idea, not that we were going to change the world, but that we were going to change our world and that we could offer services um, at a very high quality level at a reasonable price uh, to patients. And that really was that really was what got things going.
1: And you're doing it and you're living it. And I want to talk about the business model that you've built and grown and really fostered and helped other surgery centers across the nation prosper and begin because there's a lot of there's a lot of you know, kind of head scratching that goes into that, you know, from a business standpoint. I want to go back to what you said about, you know, hospitals. And I'm sitting here kind of laughing behind my microphone that, you know, hospitals are coming at you, you know, everybody in this poverty mindset But they're sponsoring sports teams. and I love that. And you love seeing, you know, their names on these these massive stadiums like, well, wait a minute. What's really going on? And it reminded me of recent articles and recent research studies that, you know, a a professor over at John Hopkins University has been has been doing some amazing work showing that when hospitals have been reporting losses, it's not operational losses. Their operational profit is higher than it ever has been. They made really bad investments, got smoked on it, yet they're coming back to the taxpayer and saying, oh, look at all this money. We're not going to be able to provide services over here. And that example right there just highlights exactly what you're saying of, it's like this Orwellian doublespeak. It's saying we're we're poor or broke. We got to lay out, we got to close all these rural services down, these rural hospitals, but yet We're making a ton of money over here, but we're spending it in very stupid ways and not fulfilling our nonprofit mission. They're talking out of both sides of their mouth when it comes to that. And you saw it firsthand.
2: I did. I didn't really understand it until much, much later. We just knew something something wasn't right. There was something very fishy. It didn't add up. And that continuing to participate as a cog in the wheel meant we were part of the problem and, and we didn't want to do that. So, yeah, so we walked away and, um, you know, when we posted prices online in 2009, that's when everything began to become much less blurry about what the hospitals were up to. And it became clear that when Blue, United, Cigna, and Aetna wanted nothing to do with cheaper and better, there had to be some scams at work uh, where the money is flowing around as a confidence trick Um, and that this whole industry basically is a confidence trick where you know somebody says you know I'm gonna apply a discount to it and then you know behind the curtain they're skimming a commission off of these high prices and it's insane so no one wants any part of cheaper and better and it's high time it's way past time the free market inflicts its discipline on the cesspool we call this industry right now.
1: I like that you use the word discipline. I think too many people look at this and say, "Well, if the free market comes into healthcare, where's the patient protection? Where's all this stuff? Where's the restrictions, the parameters, and the regulations that are going to save lives?" And again, it's a double speak. Where is it now? Back to <laughs> I, yeah. know, I saw, I saw one. Obviously, you know, Freedom Health Network's operating in the direct primary care world. You know, I love this argument that they're just going to be like, "Well." You know, if if you're asking people to pay for a catastrophic health plan, which is a good idea most for most people, and you're asking them to pay for membership, then what about all those polar people? They're going to have longer wait times and not be able to have access and all this kind of stuff. I'm thinking, you mean what about the people that are experiencing health care today just like that? You know, if everybody's miserable, why why should we have some people who can see the brilliance of it and move that direction? And that's the same thing we're talking about here, that – if you're not happy with the way things are right now, then screw you. We're going to try to ostracize you from society because reason X, Y, Z, you know, moral injury outrage of the day. I want to talk about the surgery center itself if from a business standpoint. You know, going back, posting prices on 2009. I want to hear your take on what did you learn as far as pricing theory, pricing strategies? How are you able to do that? How do you compensate people? You know because I think when when there's groups of, of Americans out there and who want to make a difference and say wow we need a cash surgery center here and amazing people you hear their first call they say dr. Smith how do I do this what do you tell them
2: well they've got to be sure when they ask that question that they actually want to do it uh, most people don't know when they ask that question what that means and what sort of what sort of cobras are going to emerge from the walls uh, when they make that decision, and when they decide you know, we're going to put these prices out there for everyone to see? That is, it's much more disruptive um, to the industry cartel than people realize. So I tell them that if their motivation is is to do the right thing, with the idea that they are going to create an alternative uh, pathway for patients, that they should go for it. If their idea is they are going to reform or bring discipline to the current industry, sort of create a seat at the table, that 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 is wrong thinking. The idea here is we are going to create affordable care at a reasonable price, obviously that's very high quality, and that is in itself radical and people who are who understand this who are who are physicians um, or people who want to want to get on the side of this movement as a seller are sometimes motivated by doing the right thing sometimes sometimes they're profit motivated and they think that there is such a difference uh, between the current pricing out there and what could profitably be offered otherwise to the public, is so vast uh, that it really does represent an opportunity. Um, I also have to remind people, though, that uh, over half of the people in the United States don't care. For all their and moaning, they don't care what it costs, uh, because if you have Blue United Cigna Aetna in a traditional plan, once you've met your deductible, you're playing, as Jake Hempton says, with someone else's money. If you're on Medicare or Medicaid, you really don't care what it costs. Someone else is paying. If you're on TRICARE or Indian Health Service, you don't care. So they're about half the the industry is already socialized. Half the industry, nobody cares. It's the other half that need a choice. Um, They need an alternative. I tell people I am pro-choice on this one. People need an alternative, and that's what this free market movement is doing, I think. I think it's creating an alternative. And I encourage people to get involved. But to be honest with you, I have conversations with people after whose initial inquiry, I discourage them because they really don't know what they're asking. They don't know what they're getting into. I would say most of the people that reach out have come to that place where they're done and they don't want to work um, in a way that enables uh, the beast, they're ready to do something different in a different way and take some risk as an entrepreneur to get it done.
1: I'm curious from a financial standpoint, what's the ballpark amount of dollars that you've seen people be able to spool up? I say spool up like it's easy, be able to start their own surgery center?
2: Well, it depends. Uh, It depends on if you're asking what is the startup capital required to get get an outfit started it really depends are you you know are you buying the real estate um, is it already an operational surgery center that is in trouble well that's how we started uh, we bought an existing operational failing surgery center and we didn't buy the real estate we just assumed the lease so all we had to do was come up with uh, the money to to buy the current operations, you know, whatever their accounts receivable was at the time, which was pretty small, buy all their equipment and enough uh, operating expenses, you know, for 90 or 120 days till we thought money would start rolling in. That was our business plan. I don't have an MBA, I don't have any kind of finance degree, that was our business plan and it it was a good one. Um, And then we just became wildly successful uh, and we outgrew the very small failing facility we initially started in and built this monstrosity we're in now cash, without any debt. Um, and so our, our plan was from the very beginning just to be to be frugal, to be careful, to make sure patients had all that they needed and not charge them any more than we, we really had to. And we didn't, we didn't see the Surgery Center of Oklahoma as a big profit generator. We saw the Surgery Center of Oklahoma as a tool of our practice that allowed us to act with patients in a mutually beneficial way. And so that's sort of been our vision. So if there's not a kind of a sniff of missional philosophy in people who enter this world, eh, they're going to have a hard time competing with me. Uh, I damn sure tell you that.
1: Yeah, I, I totally understand it. I mean, I mean, we see it even you know on the opposite of the spectrum in healthcare. Like, if we ever get a doctor that says, "Hey, I just want to get rich doing this," we're saying, "You know what? It's not. We're not the shop for you. Good luck. That's right. Go fine. have fun." But if you fundamentally don't care about the patient or the fellow human being, we got. We're going to have a problem with it, right? We're chatting with Dr. Keith Smith, managing partner at CGLS at Surgery Center of Oklahoma. Dr. Smith, we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors, but after that break. We're going to dive into a little bit more of the people aspect of it because you can put their facility together or buy a failing one, but you have to have the people who show up every single day. So I want to dive into that after this quick message from our sponsor, Freedom Doc. Are you a physician looking to break free from the constraints of insurance-based healthcare? Do you dream of having a great practice and being able to actually see your family during the evenings and weekends? Then you need to check out Freedom Doc, a leading provider of direct primary care services. Our innovative approach to building practices empowers physicians to provide personalized, patient-centered care without the burden of insurance billing and reimbursement. On the business side, you'll have access to a support team plus a suite of tools and services that will help you run your practice more efficiently and effectively. From guaranteed income, dedicated advertising marketing budgets, to electronic health records and patient engagement tools, we've got you covered. So if you're ready to take your practice to the next level, join the DPC movement and become a Freedom Doc physician today. Visit our website, freedomdoc.care, to learn more and schedule a consultation with one of our experts, Freedom Doc, the future of healthcare. Back to the show with Dr. Keith Smith, once again at the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, managing partner, anesthesiologist. And what I didn't say before was a, a founding father of the Free Market Medical Association, but we've kind of interwoven that uh, discussion throughout there. So, focusing on really the business side of a surgery center, you know, Surgery Center of Oklahoma. Other models that people call you up and say, Hey, Dr. Smith, how do I do this? You got to have people who come in and do surgeries, who show up to work every day, wanting to provide great patient care. How does somebody who decides to build up, you know, ambulatory surgery center or whatever they want to call it, how do they recruit the best and the brightest to come in and actually perform those procedures?
2: Well, the way it happened uh, with me, it's really all I can speak to firsthand. I worked at several hospitals uh, in Oklahoma City between 1990 and 1997 and got along with a lot of the staff, got along with almost all the staff. So people would tell me, if you ever decide to open your own place, give me a call. And I had a list of those people. And then there were scrub techs, there were nurses, there were x ray technicians. I wound up with a head nurse, uh, which was critical, had nurses in the recovery room who really liked the way that uh, Steve Launty and I provided anesthesia service. Steve and I are both fellowship trained in pediatrics, and that's an area of anesthesia a lot of anesthesiologists hate. We love uh, doing pediatric anesthesia. And so when we opened our own place, we made some calls, and not everybody said yes, but darn near every one of the people that we really wanted, that we really liked, uh, said yes, uh, certainly enough to get started. And we started off with a very small crew. Uh, I think we had 12 employees, maybe 13 when we started. And now, including all of our part-timers, it's over 60. Uh, we had 12 surgeons when we started, and now we have 138 so over time, uh, this has evolved. Uh, someone who thinks that they're going to start a surgery center um, or a physician-owned hospital that looks like ours right out of the gate, that's that's not realistic. Uh, we've been open over 25 years. Uh, and so uh, things have evolved and changed over time. They've grown. But the idea that someone could start an enterprise like this uh, right out of the gate is is unrealistic.
1: I'm curious about, you know, those early conversations when you're talking to surgeons who are with a group or they're with a hospital and you're trying to get them to come into your facility. What do those conversations look like? What type of arrangements, you know, are you running into that, you know, the surgeons have? You say, no, come do surgeries over here. I'm trying to wrap my mind around, you know, how those conversations take place to entice somebody to come over and join,
2: you know, this new surgery center. Well, it's it's a little different uh, now than it was when we started. Uh, one of the one of the things that surgeons really care about is how well their patients are taken care of. I know that may shock some of the listeners, but if you really perform quality anesthesia and you have a great staff that's really tough uh, to compete with. So quality is number one. Efficiency is the other thing. We are very efficient, so surgeons don't have a lot of downtime between cases. Surgeons hate, those are called turnover times. Surgeons hate that. We have a great staff, it's quality care, and then we don't rip patients off. So surgeons don't like it when patients complain uh, that they have been bankrupted. Uh, by this facility that that surgeon recommended. So we're affordable, we're high quality, extremely efficient. You know things are different now. Now I'll receive a referral at Surgery Center of Oklahoma from a self-funded employer and you know they might be in Wyoming, they might be in uh, Wisconsin or Florida and that this patient is going to see a doctor and you know, and they're going to do surgery on this patient. And the employer says, you know, there's this deal. You know, if you go, if you make this call, then, you know, the price is going to be so good. And they're so good at what they do. I know they're going to get it right the first time. I'll pay the whole bill. And I'll pay all your travel costs for you and a companion and all your incidentals. And so the patient walks out of that surgeon's office. Um, and so that surgeon loses a referral well enough of that has happened here in Oklahoma I mean Oklahoma is kind of the epicenter where this all got started so now when patients walk out of a surgeon's office many times I'll get a call from that surgeon and as a courtesy actually I'll reach out to a surgeon uh, who is about to lose this patient and I'll say listen you're a quality guy I think you ought to come over here uh, to our place and do this case instead of us stealing it from you and reassigning it. So our medical staff has grown partly because surgeons have been victimized by this movement, uh, and if they're not part of it, they are crushed by it. So that that's a bit that's a big part.
1: Yeah, and and I and I love that you built that parallel there because I think all too often we look at you know I'm a firm believer that all physicians are specialists whether you have primary care or you have some of their you know, non-primary specialties over here, but they've been siloed for so often that they're saying, well, you know, the primary care guys, those are the ones with the real pain over here. And then now specialists are saying, well, wait a minute, I'm going through the same problems. And surgeons are going through the same problems too. Everybody's getting squeezed, but it's just the fact that they've been herded off into separate little smaller corrals where you, know, you start cranking that heat up and they don't realize that every single pot that each one of these groups is standing in is at a full steam boil right here until it's almost too late. So there's frustration across the medical spectrum. I'm just curious, Dr. Smith, because I've heard stories about this before. Have you talked to any surgeons who are weary of coming to join because they're fearful of retaliation from an employer or from a hospital system?
2: You know, the the physicians who are hospital employees – Uh, by and large, do not come here. Some of the hospitals who employ doctors have uh, contract clauses that preclude uh, their working at a place like, like mine, an independent facility. Some of the hospitals do not, though. Some of the hospitals are, you'll love this, some of the hospitals are actually recruiting physicians and surgeons because if you come to work at our hospital, you'll have an opportunity to also work at this surgery center up the street that's independent. So we are now very ironically and paradoxically being used as a recruiting tool uh, for hospitals who want to recruit physicians to the state of Oklahoma. And those physicians do work here if they meet our quality bar. And frankly, a lot of physicians don't. Um, I do not like having that conversation with the doctor about why they can't come here or if we have a surgeon try us out, we let him do one case and we got to watch them. And if they don't meet our quality bar, then we part ways. And those conversations are never fun. But patients rely, rely on us, really, to be the police of quality in this facility. And that, that means that, you know, there are some, um, there's some money. There's some uh, funds that are foregone uh, for procedures not done here but life's too short and I don't, I don't like working with surgeons. I wouldn't let work on me.
1: I like the, just that idea, like my mental picture, right? is when a hospital is trying to recruit a surgeon to an area, it's like, come to beautiful Oklahoma city. We've got lakes and rivers and streams and, and we've got professional basketball. We also have this, this surgery center over here that we hated at first, but now it's kind of cool. And you can go like, I mean, that's Right. So that is rich. I, I, I don't know what to say. It's almost one of those things where it's like, I, I'm almost speechless. Like, it's funny. It's funny as hell, but I'm almost it speechless is. just
2: at the universe, like spitting that back out at us right now. <laughs> well, and, and if you're in my shoes, it's it's outrageous because the amount of minutes and hours and days in my life that I've spent at the State capital. Defending the Surgery Center of Oklahoma from extinction, from destruction, by these same hospitals—it's—it's uh, it's unbelievable. And to make matters even more outrageous, the Surgery Center of Oklahoma is now a referral source for these same hospitals. So, patients from all over the United States, all over the world, they reach out to me. And they want to know, you know, how can you help me with my brain tumor? Can you help me with my colon cancer? Well, no. I mean, we run an outpatient surgery center. But I think I know someone I can call. So a surgeon that I know who is great, for instance, who works at one of these hospitals, I'll call that surgeon and he'll say, yeah, I'll take him on and let's see if the hospital will deal with us. Well, I'm on the phone with the CFO of this hospital and saying, you know what? you would never ever see or have a chance to see this patient from Florida or Wyoming or Canada. Are you interested in coming up with some pricing uh, that makes sense so that we can get the patient here in Oklahoma and get them taken care of? And so now these hospitals are actually vendors that I pay through my sister company, Atlas Billing, which is a clearinghouse for the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. Patients from all over the place pay Atlas billing, and we procure services for them at these same hospitals um, who have so, you know, up until recently really just been in attack mode with us. So, you know, this is the market at work. Uh, Murray Rothbard talked about the beauty of the market, but he also talked about the power of the market. And this is a perfect example where it's a leavening tool. And everyone then becomes naturally cooperative, as uh, competitive as they might be.
1: Well, it's important to point out that once they realized they couldn't manipulate the market through legislative intervention, then they realized, wow, uh, Dr. Dr. Smith has a better product over there. Let's see how we can actually work together to make some more money off of his unique and, and Innovative idea. So, I, I mean, number one, re- number one instinct was to go out and try to make this illig- illegal, and that that chafes me. I, I I cannot stand that. That is the initial reaction to a lot of entrenched businesses out there. But that's what they usually get away with. And you know, everybody who's raised as, you know a kid before, that's kind of like a toddler that they push and push and push until you hit some resistance, and then okay, guess we can't get away with you know making this just waving a wand and making it illegal. Now we got to play ball with them and they have a better product. So let's figure this out real quickly.
2: And government, government at all levels is essentially a money laundering operation where businesses who want uh, protection from their competitors, they buy it and they receive government contracts or directly or government hamstrings their competitors. And then whatever profit or booty or loot results from that action, a portion of that is reserved for the next appeal to launder this money. And, you know, all the folks win, who are meant to win, when competition's shoved aside. But when when the market is at work, you know, those kind of shenanigans are not even on the table, uh, and they're exposed for, for what they are.
1: I always like to say that... Uh it's not just picking winners and losers. Dr. Smith government is usually just picking the losers and then the money just evaporates beyond that. Very rarely. They actually pick any winners. Sure. Right. I want to ask you a last question here. Words of advice to anybody who's listening, you know, from let's just say like some orthopedic surgeons or anybody who's saying like, I, I, I hear this. It resonates with me. I want to do this. I want to step outside the confines of hospitals and employments and, either go to work for a local ASC or start my own. Any words of wisdom that you hadn't shared already?
2: Yeah, I I encourage people to make sure their heart is in the right place. Uh, And then look for a facility that is struggling. See how in the world you can get control of a facility that is already in existence. uh, Because keeping all of the players together while one is being constructed from ground up, is like herding cats. That's very, very difficult. There are a lot of physicians, uh, plastic surgeons, for instance, who nearing retirement are looking for someone to buy their office, which usually has an operating suite inside. And so that is a good way for someone to get started in a small way. But the idea that A bunch of physicians can get together and agree on anything, particularly a massive capital-intensive effort like a surgery center, is a tall order. Uh, That's tough. So I I encourage people to start small. Uh, Democracy does not work um, in this world. Uh, You need a benevolent uh, dictatorship where there's one or two or three people who really are calling the shots. Uh, I would argue that my friends in uh, Indianapolis at Wellbridge have proven that uh, recently. Uh, you just have to have one or two or three people that are running the thing. And it's it's very missional, um, but the rules are very iron-fisted, and they're going to be wildly successful. Dr. Keith
1: Smith, Surgery Center of Oklahoma and founding member of the FMMA, always a pleasure to chat with you. Every time we talk, I'm like, man, we should... We should be doing this more often, so we might have to build you in as a regular guest here on Healthcare Americana, but thanks so much for joining us here.
2: Thanks for having me. Anytime.
1: That's going to do it for this episode. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. Check us out online at healthcareamericana.com to catch previous episodes, subscribe to our mailing list, and visit our online store. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Habig. Thanks for listening.
0: Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop, and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin. Healthcare Americana is brought to you by Freedom Health Works and Freedom Doc. If you've been struggling to get the care you need and the access you want, it's time to join your local Freedom Doc. Visit freedomdoc.care to find the practice location nearest you. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org.
1: Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry, and we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.